Welcome to our second deep dive episode in which we're going to explore another specific facet of the independent editor's suite of service. You're listening to the Independent Editor Podcast with Madison Utley and Stuart Horwitz, where we tell you the questions you should be asking as you plunge into the chaos of freelance editing, and then we answer them. So today we're going to plumb the depths of what a phase two can entail. If you cast your mind back to episode six, you'll remember that we did the same with the phase one. So since you're here, we'll assume you've likely already given that episode a listen. But either way, here's a brief refresher. A phase one is a written critique that can be conducted on just about any material and is typically our starting point for working with a client. So where a phase one is about manuscript evaluation, a phase two is about manuscript revision. So I think to start us off, it would be helpful, Stuart, if we can talk about kind of the actual process of transitioning from a phase one to a phase two. Um, I think it'd be great to start if you could tell us about, can you begin on a phase two with a new client or is that something that you really need to get to from phase one? Yeah, um, well, I think if somebody even knows there is a phase two, that's probably because they have read the document that either we sent them or that's on the website, right? Otherwise you can just kind of steer them. But if somebody says, I was reading your uh, three phases and I think I'm really at a phase two, I think follow-up questions have to be asked. Like, is this a cost cutting measure? because that's probably going to backfire. Um, is it really just so good already because uh, I've done seven drafts and I had three readers and you know, then maybe we can talk about it. Uh, I think in general, phase one is, is where we come in to familiarize ourselves. So, I mean, somebody's got to pay for that, right? I mean, for me to read a manuscript First of all, I'm going to have a whole bunch of thoughts that probably this person's going to want. Um, To familiarize yourself with a manuscript while you're giving the next level feedback, which we're going to talk about today, is tricky, uh, but it's not impossible. Okay, so then another question I have is, is moving to a phase two with a phase one client essentially guaranteed? Hell no. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I mean, when we say with a phase one, this might be all you need. I think we mean it. I mean, this might be all you need. We're going to give you everything we think we're not holding back, hoping there's a phase two. Um, you know, you take all that in, you might be like, I get it and then go revise it. And maybe that's it. Maybe it really is late stage. Uh, so there are reasons from the client's perspective why, there wouldn't have to be a phase two. From our perspective, you know, I mean, sometimes you really just don't click with the material. And so it's hard. I mean, obviously we're running a business and, you know, we don't really want to turn people away, especially if they need help. But sometimes you really feel like kind of said everything that I can say. And um, that would be another reason for there not necessarily to be a phase two. I guess the last reason would be if you really, you and the client are not seeing eye to eye. I mean, recently I had to tell a client that I thought there were 50 usable pages in her 300. 
which I mean, people can react differently to that, right? Some people will be like, oh my God, you found it. We found it. I'm so excited. I mean, with this process we're going through with another project right now, there's kind of 50 usable pages in 300, maybe not, maybe there's 147 usable pages, but you know what I mean? It's like, you have to embrace this vision moving forward. This person just didn't want to hear that. They were like, they wanted to hear there were 50 unusable pages in their 300. So, so there was no phase two. Okay, so say at the end of a phase one, you have that follow-up conference and the author is resonating with the commentary, you know that you're hearing each other and it seems like there could be room to continue to work together. What, what happens from there? Well, I guess you wanna, this is where we start talking about options. And, um, you know, phase one is really pretty cut and dry. It's like, there's a manuscript, it's a certain number of words. It's in a certain style. You read a little piece of it to figure out how long it's going to take you. You come up with a fee. You write a critique. You have a follow-up conference. You're done. But the manuscript could be in wildly different um, shapes. I mean, some of it, it could be like, all right, we need to go all the way back to the drawing board. Some of it could be, this is a pretty progressed draft. So how do we get you to the finish line and kind of everywhere in between? So you know, we've tried, that's where, that's where our options A and B that I, I know you're going to talk about um, came into play because we're trying to streamline it as much as possible. But that said, it is, it's a continuum. That brings us to explaining to the client the options they have for moving forward. So the first one, which we'll call option A, can actually be described very similarly to the phase one process. Um, which we covered extensively in episode six. So if you haven't listened, again, go back and do that. But in this option, the author finishes their work and then you, the independent editor, reads it closely and you add commenting throughout the pages. And then you take those comments and you use them as your inspiration to write a two to three page cover note, which details the major concerns that you found and that you discussed with the author in a one and a half to two hour long conversation. So in this conversation, you might bring up patterns you've seen, specific trouble spots, or just like larger things that help spell out what the major concerns are. So the difference between phase one and this option A for a phase two is that the majority of the comments are now like on the pages rather than in the micro section of a critique. And so the advantages of this option over option B, which Stuart is about to tell us about, is that it's comparable to a phase one cost and that it gives the author a chance to work independently for a while, which depending on the writer, they might really want that chance to kind of step back and have some more time to work on their manuscripts sort of on their own before then coming back to partner with you. Um, right. But Stuart, if you could now tell us about option B. Right. They want to feel like you're there, you know, that they're still tethered to you, but they're self-starters or, uh, you know, independently minded or their work really is... Uh, more substantial and ready to, you know, um, it's further along. So those things would qualify it for an option A. Um, an option B would be a lot more handholding, a lot more uh, feedback as the author moves through the rewriting of the material. You can start with coaching them on which topics to tackle in which order. There's still the input on the new material via page by page commenting, but you might stop periodically, create a cover letter, have some live conferences as needed. There might be some more extensive notes, how to weave the new material together with the old. 
it's just a little bit more of an active partnership and uh, continual support. I mean, you want your author to feel like they have clear, confident direction. So um, whatever it's going to take. And I guess to some degree also this chemistry factors into it. I mean, if you really like this person and you could really see like, wow, I'd love, I'd love to talk to them about this. And I, and I feel like I can be our, our chemistry or our camaraderie can really be a positive in the actual revision, then option B might be an option for that reason also. Um, it's hard to it's hard to put a cost on option B. I mean, option A, it's easier, right? It's like phase one was $2,200. Option A of phase two is going to be $2,200. But here it's like, it's either 50% more or 100% more based on sort of the nuance, based on how much they can afford. No, <clears throat> sorry, pull back the curtain. Actually, leave that in. Do not edit that out, Piper. Uh, no, based on sort of what you think their overall level of need is going to be and your involvement is going to be. Are they a kind of a cut and dried kind of crisp client or are they a sort of a, I was wondering if you had a minute client. Like, no, I don't. I don't have any minutes, okay, for the whole rest of the day. But sure, for you, I do. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like option A, like we're making it clear, it's pretty straightforward kind of whether you're talking about cost, whether you're talking about implementation, but with option B, this feels like a really different thing that we're talking about. So let's break down a little bit what the guidance that you provide can actually look like in that option. Okay. So it starts, I mean, I wrote three books on writing. Did you know that? No, I didn't. How have oh, you? Oh, yes, you that? did. You, you buried me. the lead, Stuart. <laughs> uh, which people listening can go read. Um, but you can also uh, email us and get the giveaway for this episode, which is going to cover a lot of the relevant uh, material. But basically, these three books are all what you do between draft one and draft two. I mean, that's almost like a lot of what's in here. Uh, so before we even start draft two or the next draft, we're talking here about option B for phase two, you know, you wanna do these projective exercises and activities that help the author step away from the material and see it through other lenses than the fears they may have carried or the ruts they may be in. So these exercises, um, I'm not going to regurgitate the whole book architecture method here, uh, but you know some of these things are valuable and continue to be valuable. One of them, listing all of your scenes from memory, because memory is the surest guide to the memorable. Uh, one of them, identifying series, which are these ongoing um, through lines or threads that repeat and vary, sometimes having to do with the character, sometimes having to do with the philosophy or scenes, um, considering the questions to be answered. So, I mean, whether it's, it doesn't have to just be a suspense work. In any book, you have to have a reason to turn the page. And that's because you have a question that you want to see answered. So you want to answer those questions but at the same time, you wanna open up new questions or have an overarching question which isn't answered. So one of the exercises could be, what are the questions and where, do they, where are they asked and where are they answered? 
Um, theme, theme work is always in vogue. What are we doing? Can we reduce the theme of this work to four sentences? Can we reduce it to one sentence so that you can have it in mind and say, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing with the independent editor podcast? You know, in one sentence, we are trying to help people find resources by which they can take the plunge, go make money with confidence and information. Right. So if we if we go back and ask ourselves, like, does that little thing we just said go in? It's like, well, does it fit the theme or does it not fit the theme? So it's the same thing with writing. And then, you know, I think um, challenging them a little bit as a coach might be the last exercise, sort of asking them, like, what are your deepest concerns about the draft at this point? Uh, what is threatening to sink the entire ship? You never know when those anxieties are going to hit. You might be cruising along and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, this whole thing is going to unravel. This is never going to get published. Okay, all right. Well, just before you go down that rabbit hole, like what is it that is uh, that you feel like you haven't gotten right to that level? So these are all things before we even start the page by page commenting uh, of an option B. Right. So this all, like we said, gets authors to establish some distance from their text so they can then kind of come back and look at it with clearer eyes and have more vision for what they're even trying to accomplish. But once that happens, then you can get into the like actual page by page work. And so how this happens for us is that we receive revised sections of approximately 25 pages from the author. So that's like about 5,000 words. And then we comment on that material. And so when you are providing these comments, it's helpful to not do track changes and make sure that you're not letting it creep into co-writing or ghostwriting, which is, as we'll, we have said and will continue to say, is a very different beast. And then also it's important not to let it become copy editing because, again, that's not the point for here and that's a separate service. So just trying to stay in your lane with what you're doing, phase two, option B. So the comments that you're leaving can be along the lines of really anything derived from the exercises that Stuart just talked through, such as scene structure, narrative arcs, questions on their way to being answered or not, thematic work, or anything that was treated in the previous chapter, like point of view, tone, characterization, relationships, the dimension of a work, authorial intrusion, audience, and genre. So this all, that's a lot that we just listed. And if you're like me and you don't necessarily do well with like auditory input of that scale, this really ties back into the phase one giveaway, uh, which if you didn't get, you really should. So let us know and we can send it to you. So your comments can be as specific as, I wouldn't use this word twice in the same sentence, but it can also be, you know, I fear you're gonna turn off an entire subsection of your audience with this assertion and they might never come back. So you can, it's really just the scale that reveals itself to you and saying what you think needs to be said. So then the author reviews those comments and you might meet up with them again to clarify anything or to brainstorm solutions to the agreed upon problems. And then the author revises those sections and sends it back to us for a reread. So essentially we're doing two revisions at once of two different 25 page sections that are either kind of in the first or second step of that revision process. Yeah. And by the end of that process, uh, you know, you've really put your fingerprints on this work 
and been a good partner to an author. And it should be fairly well overhauled at that point. Um, that's why it moves on from there to <clears throat> beta readers or possibly to copy editing and then entering the marketplace because you know, you, you, this is really a substantially improved text. Now you never really know which draft is the last draft, but if you give it your all during a phase two option B, it, we we're pretty far down the road. Um, I think, you know, one more thing about a phase two, if I may. Please. Uh, a, a lot of times there are really solid starts for material that either don't go on long enough or go on too long. That's a lot of what you're looking at in a progressed draft that a phase two looks at. So I came up with this handy phrase, expandable or expendable. You see what I did there? Ooh, I just buried okay. one vowel mm -hmm, there. Anyway, mm -hmm. <sighs> yep, I'll be here all week. Um, the uh, but it really is true that, you know, either we're writing new material because there is something is incipient or just not at the level of something else, or um, we've just gone on too long. And this could apply to characters. There could be characters who are just getting too much screen time or characters who don't evolve enough, but are intriguing. So they could be expanded or expended. Um, scenes sometimes entire scenes can go or paragraphs within a scenes or pages within a scene sometimes scenes need to be brought to life twists and turns i think you know sometimes people depending on the genre can get really in love with the twists and turns it's like oh it's time must be time for a twist or a turn here you know maybe maybe it's like a roller coaster that's giving everybody a concussion and you don't actually need 17 twists and turns you need these nine um, I think people also, so with the non-literary people fall in love with their twists and turns, the literary people fall in love with their time jumps, flash forwards, flashbacks. Is this a memory? Well, who could even tell the nature of consciousness is so fluid. It's like, yeah, it is, but I have no idea what's happening. So time jumps, um, they do present a pleasant mental challenge for the reader. And sometimes they can help reveal the theme. But a lot of times the book can be structured in a simpler way that is also more effective. Um, so, you know, I mean, these are, these are the things that come about in this sort of very deep engagement, which is why revision is an unsung hero in literary production. I mean, revision is really where all the interesting things happen. It's where we really get into why we're even doing this and what can this be now that other people are involved? Like creation is, is fun, but it's kind of so junior. <laughs> I like it. I like that perspective. So to summarize, you start with a phase one and that can, but doesn't necessarily go to a phase two and there's an option A and an option B. So we've already established so many times that independent editing is amazing because there are really just limitless options for how you can monetize your skills and help authors. But this is really the heft of the process. Like Stuart's saying, that revision that really takes something to the next level and makes it into a product that you then can do the subsequent 
steps that will get you further down in this podcast. But for now, that is the end of this week's episode. So next time we will finally dive into the much teased and wildly anticipated topic of contracts. And let me just say one thing about contracts, which is if you're listening in order, this is a giveaway to get ahead of time, because rather than try to you know, constantly refer to something which is sort of out in the ether, we're going to ask you to get the giveaway and then listen to it so we can go through the contract with you in what well, won't be lifetime. But, you know, anyway, so get that. Giveaway. Yes, I appreciate that. So it's going to be a good time, guys, obviously, and make sure not to miss it. We will see you then. listening to the independent editor podcast with madison utley and Stuart horwitz where we tell you the questions you should be asking as you plunge into the chaos of freelance editing and then we answer them <laughs> <laughs>